0: Pastor JP was scheduled to preach today, but he had some significant COVID exposure, and so you get me. But in these crazy times that we live in, we're kind of getting used to covering for each other around here, Uh, but I owed him one anyway, so I think we're all even now. His family is doing okay, but you can continue to pray for their, their quick recovery. But it's my honor to continue in our Ezekiel series this morning. And Ezekiel is a little out there, hence the name of our sermon series. This is an Old Testament book, and it contains strange images and strange visions, and Ezekiel the prophet is commanded to do strange things. He has difficult words to share with people. He has comforting words to share with people. But it is a challenging book in a lot of ways. As we saw last week when we began this series, Ezekiel is an Israelite priest. He had trained for many years to serve as a priest, but then God called him to be a prophet. Ezekiel was also one among the thousands of Hebrew exiles that were carried off into Babylon after the city of Jerusalem was sieged in 597 B.C. And as strange and as difficult as this book is, which we'll continue to see through this series, it still has much to say to us today. This prophet Ezekiel and many of the other Old Testament prophets that we encounter in, in the Bible, they're remarkable figures. Some of them are raised up from kind of simple lives. Some of them served as, as shepherds. Uh, Other of the prophets that God called were trained as priests and were on that path. But wherever they came from, whatever their background was, we see that God raises these men and women up to be his mouthpiece, to address kings, to address entire nations, to address high-ranking officials. God calls them and sends them to prophesy judgment, prophesy restoration. And it's because of their obedience to their call, however much they went dragging their feet, kicking and screaming into that ministry, it's because of their obedience that we now have them enshrined in our scriptures to reflect on their words and their ministry and their lives. Well, this weekend, and as we observe it tomorrow, we observe and remember and celebrate another contemporary prophetic voice. Martin Luther King Jr. was a man who spoke truth, a man who spoke about the dignity of all people into a society that had certain practices, certain conventions that failed to support that dignity at times. King's ministry and his leadership, as we know, has left an enduring mark on our society and resulted in much progress in our country. But whether it's those contemporary voices, those remarkable people like Martin Luther King Jr., or whether it's these ancient prophets that we read about in our scriptures, these are remarkable people. For, for us, they seem kind of larger than life. They seem like enormous figures. But what about you? Do you have a prophetic voice? Do you have a prophetic ministry? Has God called you to speak his truth to people that need to hear it? As I was comparing notes with Pastor J.P. kind of working on this sermon, he introduced me to this phrase, "The prophethood of all believers." The prophethood of all believers." Some of you have may have heard of the phrase "The priesthood of all believers." the priesthood of all believers." and that's this critical and important doctrine. That we, that we have and that we believe that we all have a sacred calling. That we are all ministers of God's word. Not just the religious professional people. And so the priesthood of all believers is vitally important. But this morning we consider the prophethood of all believers. The prophethood of all believers. And to the question of, do you have a prophetic ministry? I say to you, yes. Yes. Yes, you do. And yes, I do. And I say yes because like we're going to see in the life of Ezekiel, we have all of the ingredients that we need to be a prophetic voice. And those two ingredients we're going to look at this morning is that we can fill ourselves with God's word and we can be empowered by the Holy Spirit to be a prophetic voice. And so as we consider this and as we look at our text, let us first pray. God, we thank you that you've gathered us here this morning. We thank you for your work in our midst. And we thank you, God, that you've called us, commissioned us, and sent us to speak truth to people that need to hear it. Holy Spirit, I pray you would empower us and that you would apply this word to our lives and our hearts as you see fit this morning. So give us courage, give us openness as we approach your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So our first ingredient of having a prophetic voice is that the prophet is filled with God's word. Look with me at Ezekiel 3, verses 1 through 3. And he said to me, and by the way, he is speaking of this majestic, glorious figure on this throne, that He has a vision of in the opening chapters of Ezekiel. And so this figure is speaking to him, Son of man, eat what is before you. Eat this scroll. And then go and speak to the people of Israel. So Ezekiel says, I opened my mouth and he gave me the scroll to eat. And then he said to me, Son of man, eat this scroll that I am giving you and fill your stomach with it. So I ate it. And it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. So Ezekiel, again here, he sees in the opening chapters of Ezekiel, he sees this majestic, glorious figure up on this throne. And this, this throne is like crystal, and there's the radiance of rainbows. And then there's these strange wheels underneath the throne with faces of creatures and eyes. And it's, it's a bizarre image, but it's a picture of glory. Glory. And as Ezekiel says, it's a picture of the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. Chapter 1, verse 28. But then in chapter 2, verse 9, this glorious figure hands him this scroll. And this scroll had some bad news. This scroll had words of lament and of mourning and of woe that he was to deliver to the people of Israel. And as we see, Ezekiel is commanded to eat it, to consume it, to ingest it. And at first that sounds a little bizarre, eating the scroll. But this metaphor of of eating it, of ingesting the word of God, the revealed truth of God, appears several times in Scripture. For example, the prophet Jeremiah, in Jeremiah chapter 15, Jeremiah talks about his own calling to be a prophet, in his own obedience to that calling. And he says in verse 16 of Jeremiah 15, "When your words came, I ate them. They were joy, they were my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, Lord God Almighty." And then in the book of Revelation, the closing book of our Bible in chapter 10, John He sees visions of the final judgments of God. And in chapter 10, John is commanded to take a scroll from an angel. And the angel says to him in verse 9, He said to me, take it and eat it. It will turn your stomach sour, but in your mouth it will be as sweet as honey. That sounds familiar. Well, there's something about the ministry of the prophets And there's something about our ministry that requires this consuming of the word, this taking it in so that it becomes part of who we are, this filling ourselves with it so that it informs all that we say and do and think. We notice that Ezekiel, he's not just commanded to take the scroll, and God doesn't say just take it and deliver it to the exiles and just read it. No, God says, eat it. Take it in, feel it, consume it, fill yourself with it. And as we see for Ezekiel, it's both sweet and bitter. At this point, let's pause to consider uh, an important point about the ministry of prophets and our role as prophets. Well, what is a prophet? Is a prophet simply somebody who predicts future events? Is a prophet simply somebody who predicts dates and times and outcomes in the future? Now, I believe there's actually a place for that in the life of the church. And certainly there's prophets in the Bible who predict all kinds of future events with accuracy And it's the accuracy of their prophecy, and it's the fulfillment of those things that validates their ministry as prophets. But we can go on YouTube and see all sorts of prophets that just seem to be getting themselves in trouble with futuristic predictions. And all that's out there. But fundamentally, prophecy is sharing the revealed truth of God with people that need to hear it. Prophecy is sharing the revealed truth of God with people that need to hear it. And there's two kinds of prophecy in the Bible. There's forth telling, and there's foretelling. So what is forth telling? Foretelling is speaking forth the truth of God, revealed truth of God to people that need to hear it. His word to those that need to hear it. Foretelling is prophesying things to come based on what God reveals to the prophet by his spirit. And the fact that as we we look at this book, as we look at these scriptures, there is just as much foretelling as there is foretelling. It's also worth noting here that there are some people who do seem to have a special gift for prophecy. The New Testament, as it explains spiritual gifts, seems to describe that and acknowledge that, that there is a gift of prophecy. Some people are gifted to receive words of knowledge for other people based on revelation that the Holy Spirit gives them. But just like some people may have the gift of encouragement, for example, we're all called to encourage at times. Some people may have a special gift for hospitality, but we're all called to be hospitable. And so God uses all of us to speak prophetically, to speak His revealed truth to people that need to hear it in the places that He calls us. So this could look like a lot of things. This could look like you sharing an insight or an idea at your workplace or at your organization based on the wisdom that you have seen in Scripture, based on the ethics of God's kingdom that serve for the good of that place. Or it could look look like you sharing a word about who God is and what he is really like to your neighbor or to your friend or to your family member that illuminates for them truth and that draws them closer to God on their journey of faith speaking true things to those that need to hear them. So the prophethood of all believers, this sense of sharing revealed truth at people that need to hear it. I wonder where we can find revealed truth about God. Any ideas? This is a great place to start, my friends. God has shown us his heart, his ways, his work in the world, and his purposes. And so this is our starting place, that we might know his truth. But as we see with Ezekiel, this is not just like a reference book. Ezekiel is called to consume it, to eat it, to take it in, to internalize it, to feel it so that it becomes part of who he is. As he's commissioned to go to the exiles. And the same is true for us. When I was a boy about uh, elementary age, we lived in Florida for a few years. And fortunately, we were able to find a great church while we were there. But one of my distinct memories of that church and that place was this man named Joel who would walk around just like reciting scripture. And so I remember like one time being in the in the men's bathroom and in came Joel just reciting scripture as he walked up to the urinal. Or Joel he would recite scripture as I passed him in the hallway. And he wasn't obnoxious and he wasn't just like shouting it. But he had clearly immersed himself in the word of God, had taken it in, had let, him become, let it become part of who he is. And it left an impression on me as a young kid. Now, I'm not saying that we have to all be great at scripture memory, for example. Or that we all have to walk around reciting scripture. Because there's probably times and places where that's not the best strategy for you. But the question for us is, how are we consuming God's word? How are we taking it and how are we feeding ourselves on it so that it becomes part of who we are and how we think and what we say and what we do? Some of what we're talking about here, some of this being fed by God's word, eating it, is part of personal spiritual practices. So even spending five minutes a day with God in prayer and reading scripture, for example, will help you to know God's heart and to know his ways and to know his word. Beyond the spiritual practices that we can develop in our lives Here as a church, we try to support you in that too by offering small groups, discipleship groups, opportunities to immerse yourself in God's word with others so that it might shape you and might become part of who you are. And so if you've not joined one of those groups, uh, many of them are starting up again for the winter, and so I encourage you to consider those types of opportunities. And one final note here as we think about consuming God's word as the first ingredient in our prophetic ministry, is, friends, know that you have an advantage over Ezekiel, even over Ezekiel, because we find ourselves on the other side of God's ultimate revelation in Jesus Christ, in his life and death and resurrection. Colossians 119 says, For in him, in Christ, All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. So as we look at Jesus Christ, we have it all. We see it all. We can look to him and we can point others to him. And so while God may may call us to take sin seriously and perhaps to point that out in others, while God may sometimes call us to call people to more than the broken life that they're living, While God may sometimes call us to call people to repentance, we point to Jesus. And we say, hey, we've all screwed up, but you know what? God has offered a solution to us, a solution to our problem in Jesus Christ. Look to him, follow him, seek him. the revealed truth of God that people need to hear includes this message of the gospel, the good news of the gospel. So like Ezekiel, our first ingredient in our prophethood, in our prophetic ministry, in our prophetic calling as God's people is consuming and filling ourselves with God's word. But the second ingredient this morning that's in our text as well is to be empowered by the Holy Spirit empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's clear as we look at Ezekiel's commissioning that Israel's, uh, the likelihood of Israel receiving his word well was quite small. In verse 7, God says, But the people of Israel are not willing to listen to you because they're not willing to listen to me. For all the Israelites are hardened and obstinate, And so in the the face of this enormous task for Ezekiel, in the face of bringing these hard words of both judgment but also restoration to a people that don't even want to hear it, how is he even going to do that? How is he even going to step into that calling? Well, it's only by the empowerment of God's Spirit. Notice how the Spirit of God acts in our text Rewind for a moment back to chapter 2. And after Ezekiel has seen this appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord, this this majestic, glorious figure seated on the throne, and Ezekiel then falls down, this figure on the throne commands him to get up. And Ezekiel 2.2 says, As he spoke, the Spirit came into me and raised me to my feet, and I heard him speaking to me. So the Spirit there in chapter 2 literally raises Ezekiel up so that God can address him and talk to him. Perhaps like Ezekiel, sometimes you find yourself falling face down. Perhaps you've been overcome by the glory of God, or perhaps it's something else. Perhaps it's your shame or a sense of unworthiness that causes you just to sort of hide from him. But like Ezekiel, the Spirit of God lifts us up that we might behold him and receive his calling again. Okay, so then after this visionary experience, where does the Spirit transport Ezekiel? Look at verse 14. The Spirit then lifted me up and took me away, and I went in bitterness and in the anger of my spirit with the strong hand of the Lord on me. And I came to the exiles who lived at Tel Aviv near the Kabar River. So the Spirit not only raises him up before God, the Spirit deploys him back to his people. His fellow exiles, fellow Hebrews in exile. I was talking to a pastor friend recently about this sense of being filled with God's Spirit. And we talked about how we we ask for God to fill us with his Spirit all the time as we say, counsel other people, or as we lead, or as we prepare and preach sermons like this. We need him there. My friend said to me, but I don't pray very often to be filled with the Spirit of God when I go into my house at the end of the day and return to my family. And that was so striking to me in that moment, so wise. There was just a sense that fell on us like, Yes, we need the Spirit of God in all things, in all categories. We so need him. So as you think about your life and as you think about your prophetic ministry, again, which we're considering this morning, how often do you pray for God's Spirit to fill you as you return to your family, as you engage with your spouse, your kids, your roommates, whoever you may find there? How often do you pray for God's Spirit to fill you as you go to work, as you go to class, as you go to the store? We need him in all places and in all things. In Gospel of Luke chapter 11, verse 13, Jesus, he talks to his disciples. He talks to the crowds that were around about this sense of Asking and seeking and knocking and pursuing God. And this is what Jesus says. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And so God wants to liberally pour out his Spirit into our lives for this task. He's not holding back. So our two ingredients this morning in your being a prophetic voice and your prophetic ministry are filling yourselves with God's word, with his revealed truth, taking it into yourself, consuming it, eating it. And as we've said, friends, it starts here. It's our starting place. The second ingredient is the empowerment of his spirit. As Pastor JP was thinking about this text and about this holiday weekend that we're celebrating, MLK weekend, he decided to Google sermons by Martin Luther King Jr., just, just out of curiosity, on this text on Ezekiel 3. Hey, did, did Martin Luther King Jr. ever preach on Ezekiel 3? And interestingly, he made this discovery of a sermon outline written by Martin Luther King Jr. that he never got to preach. And it's on Ezekiel 3.15. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. had written this outline sometime in the late 40s or the early 50s, but it wasn't discovered and accessed by researchers until the late 90s. It was tucked away in a file in a box, and they were able to find it in other materials. But King picks up on this image from the second half of our closing verse, verse 15. Ezekiel says, "In there, where they were living, I sat among them for seven days, deeply distressed. In his, his little notes there, his outline, King makes the point that unless we sit with others, unless we spend time, unless we ask questions, unless we seek to understand, unless we walk in their shoes, we cannot really help, we cannot really inspire We cannot really understand or know the other. And of course, he applies this to racial reconciliation. In his notes, he applies this to missionary efforts cross-culturally. But for us, as we fill ourselves with God's word, his revealed truth that other people need to hear, and as we are empowered by his spirit, God deploys us too, like he did Ezekiel, to sit with our people to sit with those on the front lines of our lives, to take up space in the systems and the organizations and the places that he's called you to, and to sit with the lives of those that he's called you to. As we do that, we hear their pain. As we do that, we hear their longings. And as we do that, we even see the evil and the brokenness in those places so that we can then speak prophetically to it. Friends, as we look at the ways of God and as we look at this Bible and the story contained here, God's own strategy depended on this too. God's own strategy because we see that in Jesus Christ, the Son of God left all the glory of heaven, all the rights and all the privileges and all the glory and became man, took on flesh, walked among us, Lived the human experience, experienced suffering, sat with us, as it were, that he might save us. So, God's strategy uses this. It's good for us too. And so, friends, this morning, welcome to the prophethood of all believers. Consume his word, his truth, his revealed truth to take it to a world that needs to hear it. Be empowered by his spirit that he might fill you and be deployed to your people this week to speak God's truth to those that need to hear it. Let us pray. Lord, we pray for your empowerment as we think about this word We thank you, God, that you call us into partnership with you and that you send us and deploy us to a hurting world. God, as we go to the front lines of our lives, those people, those places, Lord, we pray that we be filled with your truth, empowered by your spirit to carry this out. Thank you that you are with us in this, God. Give us courage for this week. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.